Today is January 10th, 2010. I am Jen McCown, and this is the Midnight DBA Blogcast. This week we have our first guest blogger on Midnight DBA Blogcast. Uh, Jeremiah Peshka wrote this excellent blog this week entitled ORM's Panacea or Polio Braces. And I asked him if I could read it, and he said, no, God, no. And I asked again, and he was like, no, nah, okay. Now, this is a really long blog, um, over 7,000 words. So to save me some voice and to encourage you to go out to facility9.com and read the whole thing, this is going to be in excerpts of pretty large excerpts because it's a really good blog. But um, let's go ahead and get started, shall we? ORMs. Panacea or polio braces? In case you haven't heard, there is a huge difference between the way that software developers and database professionals operate. There are accepted use paradigms and development methodologies for both worlds. Unfortunately for everyone, they don't match up. Object-oriented programming languages operate on single entities, objects. Databases work with sets. Objects sometimes have relationships that are difficult to effectively map in a relational database. Database entities frequently do not even correspond to application entities. How are these two wildly different paradigms supposed to interact? Object Relational Mappers, ORMs, are often hailed as the solution to the differences between object-oriented code and the relational storage layer. By simply using some magical tool, library, or bong, we can code, map, or smoke our way to software that accounts for the differences between database and object-oriented software. The thing is, this doesn't work. Magical Snake Oil a lot of developers see the database as nothing more than a hole for objects. You tie a string around them in the application layer, put some pretty ribbons on the string so you can find your object later, and you then chuck it in the hole. When you need it later, you find the pretty ribbon and pull the object back out, right? Not quite, it appears. First, you have to create some kind of mapping so you know which tables are associated with which objects. With some ORMs, you have to create mappings in XML. These mappings require maintenance whenever your application layer or database changes. They are also error-prone when you're setting them up. Don't believe me? Search the web for developers bitching about working with Hibernate and nHibernate mappings. Solving non-trivial mapping problems isn't easy with these tools. Isn't one of the reasons for using ORMs to cut down on the amount of difficult, specialized code that you have to write? Instead of writing SQL, a language purpose-built to the task of querying relational data from a database, we resort to creating magical XML mappings, write more code using fluent style code with Lambda expressions and other advanced language features, or rely on magical auto-mapping to wire up classes directly with tables. Think about it. In order to avoid writing special-purpose code, we're writing special-purpose code in languages that aren't even well-suited to the task at hand. If these tools are solving problems, why do so many developers bitch about them and write code that generates their entire ORM layer, which is really just code to generate mappings to and from SQL? Shackled to the solution. If everything is as horrible as I say, why are people using ORMs? A lot of ORM software works. Technically, an AMC Gremlin also works. It has wheels, doors, and an engine. It is suitable for driving you around town. It is not ideal. Likewise, ORMs are suitable to the task of getting at data, but they are not ideal. I hear the arguments all the time, and I'm going to discuss some more of the prominent ones. I feel it's important to put my biases out there, so keep the following in mind. 1. I am a database developer and a production DBA. 2. I still work with object-oriented languages, just not as part of my day job. 
Three, I don't hate ORMs. They have a place. They just aren't a magical cure-all. But my database is just an object store. Use a flat file. You don't need anything more complicated than that. Clearly, since you think of your database as an object store, you're not overly concerned about data integrity, reportability, concurrency, consistency, or any of the other reasons to use a relational database. Hell, use an object-oriented database for all I care. Just stop using our DBMSs and complaining that they don't meet your needs. Or take a refresher course in everything that an RDBMS provides. I'll wait. Putting my vitriol aside, a database is more than an object store. By lowering the database to the level of nothing more than an object store, you're admitting that you haven't taken the time to fully understand your business problem or the underlying data. Business problems are fundamentally problems related to ever-changing data and ways to store and retrieve that data programmatically for human consumption. Objects and classes are ideal for working with and describing systems with different behaviors and a set of related ideas. The OO paradigm works with relatively constant data. I have a phone-based class. I'm not making the obvious iPhone interface joke. I have a phone-based class with a call string number method. The payphone class will implement a different call method than the cell phone class. This works wonderfully for modeling the behavior of a telephone. In the database, we're likely to have a table with columns phone ID, phone type, and number. There's no actual differentiation between how we're storing any of these phones. Having an OO paradigm actually complicates the issue. But I don't have time to write CRUD stored procedures. You know what? Neither do I. I generate them. SQL Server Management Studio will generate them for me. SSMS Toolpack adds a context menu option that reads Generate CRUD. I could, in a very short amount of time, write T-SQL to generate dynamic CRUD for me that will even only update the value supplied. People, I hate to break it to you, but if you took the time to understand SQL, you could probably write your complex mappings using views and stored procedures faster than you could write your ORM, XML, fluent, auto-mapping magic code. It's just as easy to use stored procedures and views as it is to use tables. Trust me, I know this. You're just being lazy or scared of SQL. But my ORM uses prepared statements, and those are just like stored procedures. I understand that you believe that prepared statements are just like stored procedures because some expert told you so. I, I like this. I'm breaking away from the text here. Uh, expert is linked to Wikipedia. I just like that. Okay, back to the blog. I'm very happy that you have good friends who use their free time to selectively quote documentation and educate you about things they don't understand. Thing is, prepared statements are not just like stored procedures. I will admit that with a prepared statement, you're buying yourself the ability to have cached queries. But what if your line of business app is one of a hundred apps on a server that is near capacity? Odds are that your prepared statement execution plans aren't going to stay in memory. My DBA voodoo talk means that your prepared statement, the one that's just as good as stored procedure, is actually worthless. With stored procedures, us DBA voodoo priests can do all kinds of things that you don't even know about. We can tell the database which indexes to use. We can force the database to use execution plans that we saved off ages ago. Hell, we can even rewrite your table structure into something that suits the relational model a lot better and hide that rewrite through stored procedures. But I digress. No, seriously, I was digressing. The point is, developers start making bitchy noises whenever it's suggested that they do something in SQL. These are the same developers who suggest some new tool-slash-library because it's faster, better, stronger, more daft punk than ever. There are a lot of problems that ORMs seek to solve. 
In an ideal world, it would work. In reality, it doesn't. The instant you start relying on an automated solution to fix everything, you're losing. I strongly advocate automation. Hell, I've automated a ton of my job away already so that I have time to do the things I enjoy, helping our development staff understand what they're working with and finding the best way to solve the problem. Sometimes that solution has nothing to do with the database. That's fine by me, but we put that solution where it belongs. We aren't shoving everything into an OO box because that's what we know. Okay, I mentioned that this is a really long article and we're skipping parts of it. The next section is called The Cure is Making Us Sick, and we're going to skip that all the way down to the section titled There is No Magic Cure. Data lives longer than code. If you don't believe me, ask around. The data I'm working with goes back seven years. We've been using .NET for 15 months. At the recent past summit, I spoke with people who have data that is 30 years old, and I've heard stories of people working with data older than that. If this ancient data is an RDBMS, there's a great chance that the application accessing it are written in a variety of languages, some old and some new. They aren't constant. Developers have come and gone. The data is permanent. There is a universal language for accessing it. Databases provide features and functionality that we frequently re-implement in application code. It's incredibly important to consider when replacing logic, lest we incur technical debt that will take orders of magnitude longer to fix than to develop correctly. Take the time and figure out when you want to pay for that feature. Is moving your release date up by several weeks more important than saving six months of time down the road? Always learning. As knowledge workers, we should always be acquiring more knowledge. Knowledge comes through deepening our current understanding of a subject as well as adding breadth to our experience and expertise. That's right, we're supposed to keep learning new programming languages and increasing our knowledge of the ones we already know. Heck, the pragmatic programmer suggests learning a new programming language every year to stay on top of your game. While you're busy learning the hot new languages, or revisiting existing languages, you're missing something. SQL is a language. By refusing to learn SQL apart from simple select statements, you are refusing to leverage the most powerful piece of software at your disposal. I understand that set-based programming is different from the type of programming that you're used to, but it is a perfect fit for the problem domain, working with data. A working example. MySpace is arguably the biggest pile of insanity to ever be unleashed upon the internet, barring Twitter. And yet somehow it keeps running. Why? Because they know when to leverage the power of the database. They've learned that there is some functionality that can be handled in the data tier and they use a native solution to solve the problem. When MySpace were facing scalability problems as the site grew larger, they made use of SQL Server's service broker to handle communication between multiple scale-out servers. Using SQL Server service broker helped them ensure transactions were atomic across multiple servers. They built a custom tool, Service Dispatcher, that built on the technology already provided by SQL Server service broker. They took the time to understand their tools. It's not all bad. Lest you think that I despise ORMs and I'm some kind of horrible data zealot, let me assure you of a few things. One, I am a data zealot. Two, I like some ORMs. A good ORM makes it very apparent what it does and where its limitations are, just like a good language. T-SQL is a good language. I know where the limitations are. Anyone who uses it for a while knows what the limitations are. That's okay, we know what it's good at. Likewise, when I'm writing Ruby on Rails code, I know where the limitations of Active Record are. It makes them very apparent to me and it gives me ways to drop down into native SQL and it behaves just as well. When I did .NET development for a living, we used LLBL Gen Pro. It, like Active Record, does some very intelligent things. I always knew the limits of LLBL Gen. 
A poor ORM solution tries to be everything to everyone. It supplies pseudo-languages to query the database that are really bizarre subsets of SQL with slightly non-SQL-like syntax that make it just confusing enough. Uh, breaking away again, uh, Jeremiah has a big section here entitled, But What About?, where he talks about uh, Link, Active Record, and Hibernate, and uh, let's see, I'm paging down. Other ORM goes here, other language goes here. Uh, hi highly encourage you to go out and read that at his blog, which is again facility9.com. And we're just going to wrap it up here with the last section, The Philosopher's Stone. There is no single solution. No alchemical, magical, panacea, or philosopher's stone. I really wish that I had a great solution to this problem, but the fact is that you need to take the long view about your project. Are you willing to use an ORM and trade off your initial development speed for problems down the road? You'll notice that I'm not naming any specific problems. Why? Because the problems you're going to run into are, without a doubt, very different from the problems I've run into. They depend on the application you're developing, the library you're working with, and your experience with everything involved, the other developers, the code base, the ORM, and your data model. On the other hand, you could work with SQL in a thin abstraction layer and trade off initial development speed for a consistent long-term development pace. What does this require? Your developers will need to understand your OO language of choice, the data storage model, and SQL. That seems like a lot to ask, but that's how we do things at work. The developers who work with me on a daily basis understand the underlying data model. They understand .NET development. They know how to write SQL. Not just simple SQL, but they're capable of writing fairly complex SQL. They didn't show up on day one with these skills. We all had to learn. I know OO development well enough, I know SQL very well, and I learned the data model. Commitment to doing your job well requires that you understand all facets of your work, the business, the data, and the application that references it. Note any time I mention a specific technology or library, I'm not trying to knock it, I'm just pointing out an issue I've encountered. This concludes our very first ever Midnight DBA guest blogcast. Thank you very, very much to Jeremiah Peshka for letting me read. You can find him at Facility9, that's the word in the number 9.com online, and uh, PeshkaJ at Twitter, P-E-S-C-H-K-A-J. And uh, thanks a lot for coming along, everybody. Happy days. Copyright 2010 by MidnightDBA.com, Jennifer McCown, and Sean McCown. Be sure to visit us at MidnightDBA.com for the most recent training videos, blog entries, and links. And find us on Twitter as MidnightDBA. Today's music is You Don't Need an iPod by Uncle Seth, provided by Mevio's Music Alley. Check it out at music.mevio.com. <laughs>